Good morning, West Liberty. It's Memorial Day weekend, and we pause right now just to remember all those men and women who didn't get to come back uh, from the wars for our freedoms, and we just want to remember them, pay tribute to them, respect them for the supreme sacrifice that they gave. And we will do that this morning at the church, as will a lot of churches. We have our flags out in front of the church. I have them out at the cemetery just to remind us of the supreme sacrifice that was made. But we do want to thank them, their families, uh, for that service that they gave us, even though they did not know us. So take time today to do exactly that. Memorial Day is more than a three-day weekend. It's more than an Indianapolis 500 race that will not be ran right now. But it's more than all those things. It's about men and women who sacrifice their life to serve others. So remember them. But this morning, I want to look at Philippians chapter 1 verses 18 through 25 and Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, talking about shifting our thinking this morning by the renewal of our minds. In fact, Romans tells us the way to know God's will in my life is be transformed by the renewal of our minds. But what does that mean exactly? And how do we accomplish it? How do we do and how do we know God's will? You know, or are we more likely to think, what does it matter? I mean, really, what does it matter what I think or the decisions that I make, you know, what I decide? What is about all those things that makes us think and make decisions the way we do? I know one of my favorite pizzas that I eat is a Pizza King pizza or Arnie's pizza in Lafayette and Crawfordsville that we get quite a bit. But when I was over in Illinois, a lot of people didn't understand my liking of that pizza, but they had a certain pizza place they loved to go. And a lot of people go almost every weekend because they craved that pizza. Now my family and I, we liked that pizza, but we didn't crave it the way they did. And I think a lot of those things determine the way we were brought up or where we were raised. It's a regional thing kind of idea that we like what we like because that's what we've always known. I know I like certain ice cream and it's one of those deals. If I go by those areas, I crave that ice cream and sometimes I'll stop, sometimes I won't, but it's mostly determined by my past preferences. But what about our spiritual preferences? The way we think and the way we make decisions about God and what he says to us. You know, how do we change the way we think? And more important, how do we change the way we think about God? Because it really does matter. In fact, Romans 12, 2 is telling us that God has offered this huge blessing, not to just one lucky winner, not to just one person, but to everyone who accepts his offer. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 12, 2. Paul says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? I mean, really, who wouldn't want to know the will of God for our life? I mean, if you're searching for God's will for your life, and if you want his blessing, you need to respond to his offer, to what he asked us to do. And God says you can do that by being transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, what is, how do we do that? I mean, how do we really renew our minds in today's age? Is it just as easy as going to buy a computer upgrade? 
you know, just a little program or a little stick you put in your computer and it does all the work. And before you know it, after a certain time, it's upgraded, it's ready to go. We don't really have to think about it. Is it that easy? I mean, actually, it means to change the way we think, you know, shifting our thinking, doing it differently. But why do we need to do that? I mean, what's wrong with my way of thinking? I mean, I kind of like the way I think. I like the decisions that I've made. Why should I change it? Why should we change our personal opinion on something is not always, understand, is based on truth. Sometimes our personal opinion is based on past preferences. Take Philippians 1, 18 through 25. I want you to hear what Paul says, because he says it does matter the way we think. Start with verse 18. He says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, Paul says, I rejoice. It says, yes, I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. He says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? He says, I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. He says, convinced of this, I know I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. I was listening to Steve Furyk. Uh, somebody posted a, a sermon of his and I was listening to it and he brought these points out and I loved how he explained it and I want you to see it. If you have time, circle all the wills of those verses where the word will is used. Catch what it says. He says, but what does it matter? In the last part of verse 25, he says, yes, I will continue to rejoice. It does matter. The decisions that we make will help us to continue to rejoice. But then down in verse 20, it says, I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage. You see, it does matter. I will in no way be ashamed. In verse 22, it says, this will mean fruitful labor for me. That what I do will produce good results. It does matter how we think. Verse 25 says, I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress. Sometimes it's about other people. In verse 26, he says, Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. I mean, just circle those words, will, and look at what comes after them or before them and understand it does truly matter what we think and what we decide. You see up there in verse 25, he says, I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress. You see what Paul is saying, I like the way Steve Furyk brought it out. He says, sometimes it's not about you, what we decide. It's not about you, the decisions that we make. It's not about you, the opinions that you have. Sometimes those decisions and those opinions affect other people. 
I think I said it last Sunday, the decisions we make about being in church because we truly need the church can affect other people. Sometimes positive, sometimes negative. You walk into church and you see somebody sitting over there and it just makes your day. You may not realize it, but to them, it's all the world to them and it makes a difference. Yeah, I love the way Paul says it does make a difference. It does matter. Now the Bible says that this kind of Thinking is kind of a default way of thinking that we have. We have to be careful with that. Because Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 actually gives us a warning. It says, do not lean on your own understanding. I mean, why shouldn't I lean on my understanding? I trust my instincts. I trust my decision making. But it goes on to say, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Later in chapter 14, verse 12, he warns this. There is a way which seems right to man. In other words, it makes sense to me, but it ends in the way of death. In other words, it's not going to end well. In fact, in Proverbs 28, 26, it says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. I mean, a fool. Why would trusting my own instincts make me a fool? Well, Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us the reason. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. He says, who can understand it? I mean, we know something is not right when you're driving your car and it starts clicking and it's not clicking on all cylinders. In other words, when the spark plugs have gone bad and it starts missing and it doesn't run as well as it should, we know something's not right. Or we're not making a complete connection with somebody or something. Maybe there's a short and an extension cord and the lights flicker and you know something's not right. You know, you have that loose wire. You know, that idea that, you know, the light is on, but no one's home type of thing. They're looking at you and they're with you, but they have no clue you're even there. You know, something that causes us to make poor choices. And what is wrong is that our hearts are warped in sin. Our thinking has been warped by the world that we've been immersed in, that we see and hear every day. In other words, our past, the things that are happening even right now, but we look what happened yesterday? You see, the Bible says we cannot fully trust our own instinct. It's like this little switch that we have switched off in our minds or in our bodies. And because of that, we end up with this bad information. We listen to the wrong people. We read the wrong stuff. And because of that, we make wrong decisions. Let me be clear. This is what the Bible is telling us. This is not my opinion. This is what the scriptures actually are telling us is happening. So see, I think what the Bible is telling us, our problem is this. Our heart is dishonest because sin has blocked us from the truth. We have to change the way we think. We have to change what we put into our minds that end up in our hearts. We have to be careful what we watch. We have to be careful who we listen to. We have to be careful what we believe. You see, God's thinking is different than ours. In fact, in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, God tells us this. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I mean, did you catch that? He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. Our thoughts need to be the same as that of Jesus. 
And to do that, we have to shift our thinking. We have to change the way we make decisions. So if our problem is our heart is dishonest, what's the remedy? We need to connect to God's ways and thoughts. Until we do that, we're always going to depend on our instincts, our ways, and our decisions. And we'll always end up messing things up. Maybe not right now, maybe not today, but in the future we look back and we say, man, that was a bad decision. And we wonder how we came up to it. It's because we trusted our own desires or our own instincts. So where can I go to get God's way of thinking? What do I have to do to shift my thinking to more like God's thinking? And the answer is pretty simple. It's God's word. That's why the Bible advises us to be like newborn babies. It says, who desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. To crave spiritual food. Not just milk, not just the easy stuff, but to get into the meat and really think about it, to really chew on it. In fact, Joshua 1.8 says this, says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Did you catch what he said? You're going to meditate on it. In other words, you're going to think about those things. You're going to gnaw on it for a while. Kind of chew it up and you're going to make sure it gets into our system. But I want you to notice God's promises that he makes to Joshua if he's faithful. It says it in the scriptures and he says, if you're faithful in the scriptures, you'll receive blessings and success. Now that's pretty huge, folks. God is telling Joshua that this book of the law will not depart from our mouth and we shall meditate on it day and night. That we should have these thoughts, God thoughts or our thoughts, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we're at, that we are meditating, we're thinking about what is God's way. And he says, if you do those things, you'll receive blessing and success. So you're sitting here thinking right now, so if I just read my Bible, that's enough, right? Well, understand, it's a good start, but it's not really where we need to begin. In fact, Psalms 111 verse 10 says, wisdom begins with a fear of God, with a healthy fear of God. So what we need is to have a healthy fear in God that will bring wisdom. But what does it mean to have a fear in God? It means that no matter what, God is always right. It's a healthy fear. It's not a fear like a haunted house. It's not a fear that we walk into a dark house that we don't know. and We just wonder if somebody's in there to get us. We're not talking that kind of fear. We're talking a fear that means God is always right. That if I read it in the Bible, that's the way it's going to be, period. We're not going to question it. We're not going to water it down. We're not going to set it aside if we don't like it. God's word says it. We're going to believe it. Someone once actually said, if the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And I know that phrase has been ridiculed down through the years, but it doesn't make it any less true for those who want to honor God. You see, I can be wrong. The decisions that I make in my life, I can be wrong. In fact, I can look back and understand I have made those decisions, and I wonder, why did I decide to do that when I decided it? But God will never be wrong. If we follow God's ways, you see, if I fear God, then his agenda and his priorities will always be at the top of my list. 
and my agenda and my priorities come in second. That's what Romans 10.9 says. 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And there's a lot of people out there that believe that that passage says that all I have to do is say Jesus is Lord. Then I've got it made. It's kind of like this magical formula. But that's not really what it means. You see, when I confess that Jesus is Lord, it means that he owns me. Not just my possessions, not just some part of me. He owns all of me, every part of it. You know, so if I have a shift in my thinking and understand it really does matter, it means I've turned my thinking, I've turned my priorities over to God. And there are people who obey God only if they agree with him. If the Bible says something they're not comfortable with, if it says something they don't like, or if it's something that's in their life and they actually like it and God says we shouldn't do it, they ignore it. They treat God's written word as its suggestions that they can ignore at their leisure. And that's really not a good idea. God's word is truth. Period. Lastly, Romans 12, 2 says, We must be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what his will is. For us. You see, if I do this right, I'll be transformed. I will have shifted my thinking. And then I will be able to test myself to see if I've renewed my mind. So I kind of have in this yardstick, and we measure our maturity or our progress with a yardstick. And I'm kind of looking at that idea and can that be really done? Can we measure our maturity and our way of thinking with a yardstick? Or deciding God is always right and I should always obey. You know, that's more of a, a yardstick that we're obeying God. You see, a lot of people will do that. They'll take this yardstick and they'll set it out and they say, well, I've read my Bible, so I'm up to here. I've gotten to church, I'm up to here. I go to Sunday school, I'm up to here. Oh, wait, I did this nice thing for this person I didn't know, so I'm measuring up here. And pretty soon, the yardstick, we've got marks almost all the way to the end. So we say, well, I must be a pretty good Christian. But understand, just because maybe we think we've worked hard and we've read our Bible faithfully and we obey all the rules that we see in Scripture, but we're still not really nice people, there's something missing. You see, I've known a lot of Christians who read their Bible, who go to church, who go to Sunday school, but still are mean people. So what do we need? I mean, what could really be missing? How do we measure if we're maturing in Christ? Well, I think Galatians 5.16 tells us that answer. Listen to what he says. He says, we should walk in the spirit and we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We need to walk in the spirit. We need to walk in God's presence. We need to acknowledge him with us no matter where we go, no matter what we're doing, no matter what's happening in our life, we acknowledge his presence with us because he has promised to be with us always. But again, what does that mean to walk in the spirit? Well, Galatians goes on in verses 22 through 26 of chapter five. He kind of spells it out for us. Listen to what Paul says. He says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Paul says, against such things, there is no law. 
And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You see, I think those are the true measuring rods of our faith. In other words, do you show others love? And I'm not just talking about the people you like. I'm talking to those people who are hard to love. Those people who annoy you. Those people who get on your nerves. And you know, you're on your last nerve. They're going to make sure they stand on it. Do you love them? Are you patient with them? Are you kind? You see, is your life so filled with joy that you can hardly explain it? You know, I don't know why I'm happy all the time. I don't know why I do what I do all the time to help other people, to reach out to other people. I don't know why I do that. I'm just happy to do it. And you can't really explain it, but it's there. You see, these are the ways I think you measure the renewal of your mind. And if you do it right, you kind of end up making other people jealous of the God you serve. You see, I think that's when God truly shines through us. We can't explain it. We don't even want to try to even explain it. We just keep doing what we do because we love God. Folks, we need to shift our thinking. We need to quit listening to what the world has to say to us. We need to make sure those people that we listen to and the things that we read, we can truly believe. And the only thing I truly know in today's age that we can truly read and that we can truly believe without question is God's word. And it's a great place to start. Folks, have a healthy fear. And allow God to talk to you, to lead you, to direct you in the path you need to go. Take care and God bless.